Hello, and welcome to Studio Class. I'm Megan Enan, your host and diva sidekick. I'm a mezzo-soprano on a mission to change the world through the commissioning, performance, and proliferation of new music. Are you just beginning your singing career? In the midst of building your successful empire, or anywhere in between, I hope you'll join me in this second season as we talk about the ins and outs of both the traditional and non-traditional singing path. It's not always easy, and if your experience is anything like mine, we barely scratched the surface of this in studio class. However, I'm here to give you the micro-actions that over time will transform your relationship to your career. Let's do this. In this 13th episode, we're going back to my Rainmaker's Guide to Music Business lecture and diving into the materials portion. I want to help you make it rain in your business. Divas, I'm curious, what areas of music business materials feel great to you and which ones feel less than great? Help me zero in on the pointers you need in your best diva life. Hit me up on Twitter. I'm at MezzoEnen. That's at M-E-Z-Z-O-I-H-N-E-N. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. And now, here we go. Your digital press kit, often called an electronic press kit or EPK, is meant to collate important information about you as a singer for presenters, applications, and media professionals. Try thinking of three descriptive, specific words that you want to come through on all parts of your materials. Remember, this is your chance to tell people how you want them to talk about you. This is a mini branding exercise. In a subsequent episode, we're going to go through a much deeper branding exercise, but this is our beginning steps, baby branding exercise. Think of three descriptive specific words that you want to come through on all parts of your materials. Let your three words be who you really are and not necessarily who you aspire to be. We are aiming for honesty and authenticity. Creating your digital press kit or your EPK is kind of like what I call build a diva. (laughs) So we're going to start with your bio. Have you ever gone to send an application only to realize seconds before pushing the button that your bio and resume are missing key recent performances or accomplishments? This happens to me more than I would like to admit. Instead of pushing the button and going about your merry day, you're scrambling to find dates, titles, and double checking that accent grave, et cetera, et cetera. Put a reminder in your phone if you must, but stay on top of these materials and have someone proofread them on a regular basis. Is your bio memorable? Ask your proofreader if your bio is informative, but also alluring. These are your moments to grab their imaginations. Be genuinely interesting. Your digital press kit bios should include one or more short bios. So thinking around a hundred words. One medium-length bio, two paragraphs-esque, and one long-form bio. For short bios, I highly recommend having a few that are specific to the gig you are performing, like your opera bio, oratorio bio, musical theater bio, or chamber music bio. Have one generic short bio that you can use if you do not feel comfortable writing a short bio specific to that genre or area. That's kind of like your very basic uh, diva does this kind of bio. (laughs) 
But I want to jump a little bit deeper into BIOS. So we want to follow these guidelines to have a valuable document for any press kit. In your first paragraph, your first sentence should be like the topic sentence of an essay. It should clearly define the essential information you want your reader to know. Topic sentences often act like tiny thesis statements. Like a thesis statement, a topic sentence makes a claim of some sort. As the thesis statement is the unifying force in the essay, so the topic sentence must be the unifying force in the paragraph. So topic sentences make a point and give reasons or examples to support it. This is often the place where you will place a quote from an authoritative contact in the industry. If your quote is vague or not portraying you in the most shimmering light, you really should consider excising it. In your second paragraph, I consider this the current section. Take this moment to highlight whatever you are doing this season. Again, remember your audience when you are writing. What will the reader find the most interesting? Write about your most exciting upcoming projects and with whom you'll be working. You're trying to give the reader a sense that other people trust you and revel in your musicianship and that they should too. Really, this is kind of your social proof document. Bio say, I have worked with these people and so you should trust me for your project too. In your third and fourth paragraph, at this point, it's time to illumine the path that brought you to your present divaness. Go back to your inventory, i.e. your resume, and find the most interesting accomplishments and honors to write about in this section. Just like your resume, do not exaggerate. Be proud of your accomplishments wherever you are in your career. All experiences teach you how to be a better singer and stage performer. If you've created any sort of long-term projects, elaborate on how that is part of your overall career development. A few tips to remember for your bio. You want to create a sense of consistency in all of your materials. So you should use the same header for your bio, your resume, uh, any sort of additional materials that you would put in there. Always send everything in PDF format. Do not send it in Word. Always, always, always proofread. Bonus points for having a friend or teacher look it over. And obviously save two or three different short versions. Like I said, you should plan on having a 100, a 200 word version to use for programs Keep it somewhere where it's easy to copy and paste. I can't tell you how many times people will say, oh, can you get me your bio right now? I have to send this to the printer today. So you want to make sure that you have any sort of bio on hand that is current to what what you are trying to send out into the world at any given moment. And finally, practice good prose. Use transitions, proper grammar, and avoid cliches like the, well... You get the gist. (laughs) So that brings us to our resume. This is a no-brainer for classical singers that most non-classical musicians will not feature in their kits. So you want to keep that resume spotless and on one page. Your resume is going to show people what sets you apart from other musicians. It messages to directors what stage experience you have. Take a hard look at the accumulation of skills you are presenting via your resume and whether they align with your three descriptive words from above. So in the opera world, like I said, a resume is only one page and it lists your accomplishments and training to the present date. Think back to your most recent audition. Remember how many other singers were there? 
Your goal is to make your resume be the best first impression of your skill, training, and your professionalism. I cannot stress to you how important it is to be absolutely precise about spelling and diacritical marks. This is a reflection on your preparedness. I've even known some panels to look at resumes first, to go through, and if anything is misspelled or used the wrong diacritical marks, to just toss it to the side. We are in an oversaturated market for singers. I get it. I get it. But people will take every opportunity to cross you off the list and get to someone who is more prepared than you. Finally, take this to heart. Be proud of your accomplishments. Like I said, do not exaggerate on your resume. Exaggeration is a sign of insecurity and intentional dishonesty. If you feel the need to stretch the truth, be mindful of that feeling and get back in the practice room until you can truthfully list it. There is no need to exaggerate when you are younger and do not have as many credits on your resume. That is fine. It is exactly where you are and that is what you should show. You will have opportunities. There are opportunities designed for you. Just go out there and pursue them. So there are four main components to a resume, starting with contact information. This is the header of your document. It must include the name you would like them to call you in print or in the program, your voice part and contact information, including your phone number and email address, most importantly. I would encourage most of us at this point to take our addresses, your actual physical address off your resume. This is kind of a contested topic, but I no longer list mine on my resume. It's just better in this age, day and age, to not have your actual physical address floating around the internet. So sometimes singers will add their headshot to this section of the paper as a helpful reminder to auditioners, but this is entirely optional. I I don't think I would encourage you to do it. However, if you are going to do it, make sure that it's grayscale and cropped close to the face so that any sort of printing doesn't make it look like just a blob on the page. And that's kind of the way that I would make sure that you know to take it off. Just put your name, have a nice, nice font that's going to be read by every single computer program. You know, keep it Times New Roman if you want to. It doesn't, it's just about making sure that the formatting and the printing aren't going to suddenly like bring your resume to a a blob on the page. Next is your performing experience. This is obviously the section that gives us the most information about any singer. In what types of productions has she been successful? Does she show a range of genres? Does she have much experience as a lead? Opera America counsels Every resume should prominently feature a chronological list of complete roles performed to date, with the most recent at the top. With each role, you should include opera, composer, particularly in the case of contemporary or lesser-known works, the organization where the role was performed, and the year it was performed. You may consider breaking your stage experience and concert experience into two separate headings. If you need help with formatting titles or character names, Google How the Met does it. Seriously. While on the topic of typos, make sure that all names are spelled correctly. Even if you've studied with that teacher for years, fact check yourself. You probably do not know it as well as you think you do. (laughs) So going back to a couple of these points with the breaking your stage experience and concert experience into two separate headings, I highly encourage you to do so. You can even break it up into opera stage experience, 
opera concert experience. You can do oratorio experience separately. What you're really trying to show is where you spend most of your time, where you are developing more authority as a performer. And it's okay to have different versions of your resume. I definitely have two separate versions that lead with chamber music as my specialty. I have a resume that so leads with the chamber music experience that I have as a soloist. And then I also have an opera-specific resume that leads with all of my opera experience at the top so that people don't get the impression, oh, she just sings this one kind of music when you really want to be considered for what they're doing. Moving into the next section, you want academic and or professional education and training. List your schooling as well as any professional programs you've attended. You want to be specific about the details, which program, what level or concentration in which years. List the names of your teachers, coaches, and directors, but be cognizant that these people will be considered for references. So if you did not have a good experience together, you probably don't want to put their name on your resume. List the people who will be encouraging and that speak generously on your behalf. This is just another area of social proof. Don't put anybody's name on your resume that won't remember you. So like, if you're still holding on to, I once did a masterclass 10 years ago where she didn't even get my name right during the masterclass. Uh, that's okay. But if somebody sees their best friend's name on your resume, chances are they're probably going to text them and be like, oh, hey, what'd you think of this person? And if that person goes, oh, I don't remember them. How well is that going to show on your behalf? Probably not at all. So personal information. Keep this section short and sweet. Take this opportunity, though, to make yourself come across as a real person with skills and interests, not just a singing robot. Definitely jot down any dance experience, other instruments, language skills, theater training like stage combat, etc. Nevertheless, if you have something fun or endearing, you can put it here. Resumes are not the place where you need to be cheeky, but it may be the one thing that makes a judge say, I want to talk to her a bit more. So... You can put that there. It's really just, do you have actual skills in uh, French diction where you've actually worked harder than everyone else in the field to increase your authority there? Then put it down. If you haven't, then it's not really that useful. It's you're, you're just making note of a skill that everyone also has. A few good tips to keep in mind. So obviously, use your name as the file name. Then... For everything, send PDFs, not Word documents. And vertical alignment is incredibly important in your formatting because it directs the eye and gives it a place to go. If you've ever seen user experience videos on YouTube of people's websites, it's the same idea. If you're sending somebody a piece of paper that lists your accomplishments, you want to follow the direction of the eye through the page. What does the eye gravitate towards? Does it go to, oh, opera experience and then the years? Does it go to the specific roles? You want to make sure that you're creating a roadmap for for this potential presenter or director's eye to follow. So to help with vertical alignment, use clear tables when creating your resume. This will also make it a heck of a lot easier to update. Obviously, so just create your tables, and then hide the lines before you go to print. So then it looks so neatly formatted. It just is incredibly easy to see. And then it's also incredibly easy for you to update. All right. 
after our resume, that brings us to our photos and our headshots. Have a section of high-res images at the ready with clear file names. You don't want it to be like IMG underscore two, six, four, five, ten, whatever. Ten wouldn't be in there, but you know what I mean. (laughs) So (laughs) your selection should include black and white, color, horizontal, and vertical images. What you're really trying to do is create a selection that any sort of marketing or press could say, oh, I need it to fit into this space that I've already got created. Or all of the other photos that people sent are horizontal, so I need a horizontal formatted image so that all looks the same. I'm sure you, most of you already know this, but high-resolution photos are necessary for sharp reproductions. A high-res photo is determined by the number of pixels. The higher number of pixels, the better the print quality, and your professional photographer will always give you high-res images. So make sure that you pick out the ones that you think are the best, keep them where it's easy to get to, put your name on them, call them whatever is helpful, and then be able to put them, just keep them in Dropbox is always my go-to because you want to be able to just give someone the link to it so that they can download high-res images without clogging up somebody's inbox or not being able to transfer an image. So you're not sending them weak like web res images, you're sending them a link to download the high-res image so that they can manipulate that however they need to for the programs, for posters, etc. If they're going to blow up a giant poster, you don't want to have a pixelated face. So get it together. <laughs> so, next in our list of our EPK is audio recordings. Presenters and directors are hiring you for your voice, first and foremost. That's what we're all here for. That is what we have spent thousands of hours and dollars on during our lifetimes. So spend the money to get decent recordings. Save up and spend on decent recordings. It is worth it every time. Have a curated selection of your recordings in your digital press kit that are specific to the gigs for which you want to be hired. This might mean you have a list of links that are specific to chamber music, that are specific to opera, that are specific to folk music, that are specific to death metal. I don't know. Whatever you do, divas, like just put it out there. And then more applications are also requiring video. So when you think about audio recordings, and I want you to simultaneously be thinking about video, just think about documenting your performance life as often as possible so that you're having audio recordings and video recordings and putting together the pathway to get to those audio and video recordings. You don't want people searching the web aimlessly looking for yours and getting sidetracked by some Kesha video. So so save yourself some busy work and create a document or file in your digital press kit with links to the video you want to share. You can always make them private or unlisted on YouTube and just share those links. Just make it easy. Now, I want you to practice putting together a pull quote sheet as soon as you possibly can. Did somebody say something nice about you in a credible source? You have to use it. So if Alex Ross wrote that listening to your voice is like taking a jacuzzi in the Holy Grail, do not make someone search for that information. You want to put your best quotes at the top and include links to the entire article below the quote. If there are any quotes that you think might be misleading or do not coordinate with your keywords, consider leaving them out. If somebody just mentions you in an article but doesn't give you anything 
that provides social proof, then it's not the most useful pull quote. You just got mentioned in something. So put that towards the bottom if you really want to just say, oh, I was part of this really cool production, but it doesn't mention anything that you did. Everything that is specific to your performance, that goes at the very top. Okay, here are some suggested included materials. This is not necessary for an EPK, but these are kind of things that are going to round it out and really help out your marketing people. If you're working with somebody who's like, oh my gosh, I just have to create content around this production as often as possible. And particularly in our hyper digital world at the moment, just creating content that gets out to as many people as possible is incredibly important and your marketing people will love you for it. <laughs> so, so, okay. So here are our suggested included materials. So starting with an interview or a sample interview, you should consider including any recent interviews that you've done regarding your creative work. This is a chance to show connectivity in your field as well as some of your knowledge and passion. So interviews can often be a way of showing more of your winning personality a sample interview might be a little much, but it can be really useful for PR departments if they're trying to set up radio, television, or newspaper segments to pro promote upcoming concerts. If you can come up with the questions so that they don't have to do the work and you get to talk about the things that you actually like to talk about, they're going to love that. So it just makes it easier for everyone involved and it doesn't start an interview with, so how long have you been singing? Oh my gosh. And <laughs> you just want to get into it if you really want to talk about one thing over another. Following our interview, we have sample programs. Sending out sample programs to presenters is very useful when you're trying to branch out to new performance venues locally or farther afield. You've worked very diligently to create recitals, to create other types of performances, so use it to your advantage when you're trying to book new gigs. So, Wrapping that up a little bit, we've got a couple other ideas that I want you to think about as your extras. If you've got sample programs, so we did interview, sample programs, some extras that I'd like you to keep close by, not necessarily in your digital press kit, but maybe in a folder that's connected to it, would be your CV, which lists everything that you've ever done, <laughs> and then your repertoire list. Oh my gosh, divas, if I can encourage you to keep your repertoire list up to date as often as possible, I cannot recommend it highly enough. It has been many long and, you know, caffeine-fueled nights in which I've gone through all of the repertoire that I've sung over years to put it into a list and go, oh wait, does this fit under Italian song or does this fit under chamber music? Don't do it. Just start it now. Continuously add to it. Little by little, you will save yourself so much time and frustration. <laughs> now, as you're going farther in your career, you're going to be developing other types of content. And this could be things like your workshop or lecture list. If you are lecturing, if you're giving workshops on a regular basis, you'll want to keep that information collated. And so you can send it out. So if you have such things as residencies, you're able to send them a list of the types of workshops or lectures that you, ha that you have ready to go at any given moment. That also leads me into uh, residency out and outreach programs. So your workshop and lecture list is slightly different than um, pot potential outreach programs. It's really great to kind of break those up into various forms. Like what, what's appropriate, like what level? Is it a K through four type of program? Is this something for college students only? 
Start building that out. And if you're younger in your career and you don't have this yet, it's okay to start brainstorming and say, oh, what are the types of areas that I really enjoyed? Is there types of outreach that I really enjoy to do and can build a program around? Finally, your letters of recommendation. We'll do an entire subject (laughs) or entire episode probably on letters of rec, but I want to make sure that you know to keep those close by and it kind of can fulfill a slight crossover between pull quotes. Pull quotes are obviously coming from actual published sources, uh, letters of rec. You can include some kind of uh, quotes of a sort from from these authority figures, and that will help with what you're doing. So you can keep your digital press kit in your Dropbox and send it manually as you need, or it also is useful to create a press or press kit section on your website with a link to download. This is kind of wrapping it all up entirely. So remember you want to create a static consistency across your entire kit. An easy way to do so is to keep one element the same throughout the header. We kind of talked about that at the beginning of this episode. You want to use the same fonts, the same contact information, the same formatting each time, and it will immediately look more charming and tasteful. So to recap, divas, I want you to take out your phones, not if you're driving, and set a calendar reminder now to update your life. We want to get your digital press kit spruced up and ready to go. Your EPK should have your bio, your resume, your headshot, your performance photos, audio recordings, and video recordings. Then, as extra bonus points, I want your pull quote sheet, your interview or sample interview, sample programs, your CV, your repertoire list, your workshop and lecture list, residency and outreach programs, and your letters of recommendation close by. All right, divas, until next time. Thanks for joining me for episode 13 of Studio Class, brought to you by the Sybaritic Singer. Many thanks to Juanitos for the music featured in this episode. Hey divas, did you know there's one very simple way you can support our show to ensure we keep producing more content? Simply head over to iTunes and give us a rating. First, subscribe to the podcast, and then you can rate the podcast by selecting one to five stars. If you enjoy the podcast, then please consider a five-star rating. This takes less than a minute to do, and with each new rating, it only boosts the visibility in iTunes for Studio Class. It means a lot to me and to the show. Higher ratings means greater discoverability. Thanks for helping me to do my part to be a shepherd for our art form. Do you have questions about this podcast or the information I've presented here? Please go to SybariticSinger.com and get in touch.